Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the dinner table, or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au. For SEN America, this is the SEN MLB Podcast. Hi everybody and uh, welcome to the show. JC, it's that time of year, mate. We are down to four. There have been 21 postseason games to this point. Possibly another 21 to go. But first and foremost, welcome to the show, JC, Justin Charles. Thank you very much, Frito. It's great to be here and, geez, it's been a, a very exciting week of uh, Major League Baseball. Unbelievable. The playoffs are well underway. All the division series are done now. We've now get, got league championship series to come. But right off the bat, top of the show, we're going straight to Toronto and our guy week after week, thanks to Home Run Sports, homerunsports.com, is Scott Neilis. Scott, welcome, mate. Hey, guys. How you doing? Terrific, mate. Now, absolute epic what happened yesterday over there in Toronto. That one innings went 53 minutes all up. Just take us through what actually happened and, and your actual feelings on it. We know you're biased to Toronto, but just take us through what you were feeling through that inning. Well, I, I think you uh, when discussed earlier the, the emotion in a 53-minute inning. Uh, we had just tied the game up on Edwin and Carnassian's home run feeling great about ourselves, uh, get out for the next inning. We've got young Sanchez on the mound. He's got two outs, two strikes on the hitter, a runner on third, and you think you're one pitch away from getting back in the dugout and start hitting again. Russell Martin nonchalantly looks the runner back to third and throws back to the pitcher like he's done thousands of time, times, and it just so happens that uh, Mr. Chu on Texas is stretching himself out, doing nothing wrong. Ball hits the hand, rolls away. And then it was just sheer bedlam after that. Uh, I'm sure that every hot stove manager has gone around and discussed uh, what they think the rule is or what should have happened. Uh, But really, it was just the start of a volcano that for 53 minutes built up and finally erupted with benches clearing. And uh, it was something that, you know, you'll never experience again. They'll be talking about forever. Uh, I mean, where do you start on anything like that? Well, I'll tell you where I'm going to start with you, Scotty. Uh, now, we saw probably one of the most, uh, and, and I think he gave a really good description there of a, of a very uh, eventful seventh inning, went for 50-odd minutes. Um, the tension, the, the lead changed, uh, some controversial uh, incidents happened, um, and then all of a sudden, um, Jose Bautista comes out and hits an emphatic three-run home run, effectively to ice the game. Now, let's let's just say Jose Bautista is not one for showing up the pitcher. He hits 40 home runs a year and, and very respectful of the game. And uh, 
takes a bit of a reaction, flips the bat. Um, what There's been mixed response here, Scotty, around the bat flip. How did you see it? Well, again, unless you've experienced the emotion, uh, you guys have gone through it at different levels of sports. Nobody, unless they've gone through a situation like that, really has the right to criticize. Uh, the nature of the game has changed where absolutely every movement by every player on and off the field is documented by Twitter and Facebook and cameras in your face 24-7. I think the intensity of everything gets magnified as a result of that. Uh, but the situation here is you're in game five. You've lost a lead where 45,000 people feel that you've been wronged by an umpire. <laughs> and the, the tension, you, you, they've made three errors in a row where you still really haven't scored more than one run off it. The game really hasn't shifted your way. And you as a player that is in your first playoffs is an all-star who leads the league in home runs on a regular basis has basically carved out your spot in history as a result of one hit. So I think there's a lot more that goes through that Bautista bat for his own personal benefit. But obviously the team benefit is is there. They win the game, they win the series. But I think that was just the, the let go of just so much angst and anxiety from a career that just culminated in what will probably be his biggest hit of his lifetime. Absolutely. I did... Uh, I've... I'm on Twitter, uh, Scotty, as you know, and follow that uh, pretty staunchly. I did see that's a nice tattoo of the bat flip that you actually got on your back. Did you, <laughs> did you see that? Ta- somebody's got it tattooed on their body already. Unbelievable. Well, it's funny because you talk about emotional decisions and, you know, you've talked about uh, the league and the player have talked about uh, Bautista's emotion as bat flip was it over the top. The, the pitcher, Dyson, said... He might want to tone it down a bit. Well, they're also asking him to respond. Well, he's at his lowest point, so he's probably not giving responses he's crazy about. But when you're going to the tattoo parlor and you're thinking this seems like a good idea, you might be pretty excited. You might want to wait 24 hours before you uh, actually sit in to get that tattoo. Yeah, I I find it unbelievable. (laughs) It just shows what fans are there in Toronto. I think it was terrific. JC. Um, Scotty, uh, what did you think of... um of Gibbons' move to bring uh, Price in uh, in Game 4 to make sure that uh, Game 4 did go to a Game 5. What did you think of that? Well, I I love it. I'm I'm sure we've all been in that situation or played against teams where they've saved the guy for the next game and the next game never came. Uh, You you had a situation, and again, these guys aren't making decisions. As the game goes along, they're not looking at each other and going, hey, what do you think? Should we do it? Well, you flip the coin. These guys have gone over this the entire night before and saying, here's the situation. We're going to go through the, through the order this many times, depending on how what hitter is doing what against them. This is what we're going to do. So I believe it was a plan all the time. The Jays really got uh, sideswiped with losing uh, Cecil and then with Luke having uh, some personal tragedy that took him out of the lineup. You've got some pretty strong left-handed bats on the Texas lineup and no left-handed pitchers. And, I thought it was a great move. Uh, everyone expects Price to throw up zeros. You know what he did? He maintained, well, he got the win, but he maintained the lead, and, and ultimately the team got the win. So I don't see how you can criticize that. And then moving forward, they've got four pitchers that are throwing my gases right now. Absolutely. So Absolutely. It's, not a, it's not a be-all to end-all to have Price start every game. 
I was just going to say that uh, maybe because you know they've got such faith in Strowman, um, I thought it was uh, a, a good move myself because if if Price doesn't come in and there's not a game five, then uh, I, I think that's the problem Mike Matheny is probably facing at the moment. He's a great everyday manager without being great in the playoffs when you know you're playing for all the marbles. Yeah, it's it's you know what it's like. Baseball is the best second guesser sport. Should have done this. Should have done that. Uh, all the uh, manager's moves are based 100% on on the results of the play. And uh, you've seen it a hundred times. You've coached, and and there are times where you can make all the right supposed managerial moves, and if your players don't execute, well, who looks bad but the manager? I said he's in a no-win situation, and uh, regardless of what he does, the naysayers are going to come out, and you're not going to hear uh, the naysayers won't stop until the Blue Jays win the World Series. Absolutely, Scotty. Look, we're going to have to leave it there, mate. Thanks very much. Uh, it's onward and upward for uh, your Blue Jays into the American League Championship Series against the Kansas City Royals. Really looking forward to it, mate. And uh, we'll catch up with you next week to see where the um, Royals-Blue Jays series is at. Thanks very much for joining us. You're more than welcome, guys. Take care. See ya. And there's uh, Scott Nealis from Toronto, of course, thanks to... Home Run Sports, homerunsports.com. You can uh, check them out there. But um, that was just that one series. And, and really, we've just focused on one innings of what, essentially what's been 21 games of baseball to this point. But what a phenomenal innings it was. As uh, Scott mentioned, they started with the Shinsu Chu, uh, Russell Martin. I, I now believe in karma. Karma exists on the planet. Do, do you agree? Russell Martin throws the ball into... Shinsu Chu's hand. The run comes in to score. Who leads off the next innings for the Blue Jays? Russell Martin. Gets jammed on a good pitch by Cole Hamels. Elvis Andres, who's been a gold glove shortstop, cannot catch a cold in this particular innings. Routine gramble up the middle. Boots it. Morland, the first baseman, throws it in the dirt. Texas, uh, not Texas, sorry. They set up the play beautifully to get the force out at third base. Beltre makes the play to Elvis Andres, hits him right on the chest, drops it. Now, the manager's got to be losing his absolute mind at this particular stage. The Blue Jays had bases loaded with none out. Unbelievable innings of baseball. And as you mentioned, JC comes down to Baltista at the end with that massive home run. And uh, the emotion in that stadium, the epic bat flip that really uh, exclamation point on that whole inning absolutely phenomenal and a great win by the Blue Jays so where does karma come into it the fact that that Russell Martin was the guy who threw the ball in the first place into the bat when he's done it a million times yes it was just a simple accident but he happened to be the leadoff hitter gets beaten on a pitch as well but Texas booted and then all of a sudden he's on base and away we go then he does a nice piece of base running in between first and second, runs inside the line, makes a tough throw for the first baseman, keeps the innings alive. Amazing. He messes up, but ends up being the guy to start it up for the, for the Blue Jays. It was a, uh, it was, you keep mentioning that word epic. It certainly was uh, an epic inning, that seventh inning. Um I'm just wondering how Elvis Andrews is uh, is feeling right now. Um, made pro- Well, he made two distinct errors that he'd probably never make, you know, nine out of ten times. Um, that second uh, error 
that was on the first baseman. It short hopped him, but yeah. probably a little bit blindsided by the runner. So Russell Martin's run inside the line made it a difficult throw for the first baseman. He's had to throw over the base runner, over Martin. He's thrown it in the dirt. Andrews had trouble picking it up, safe at second. So yeah. another error, but that one's more on the first baseman. And then a perfectly executed bunt defense. Um, third base crashes. Um, Beltre picks up the ball cleanly, makes a perfect throw, waist high, and did not even get into the glove. Hit him in the heel. Yeah. Hit Andrews in the heel. Uh, the inning continues, and uh, and then the rest is history. Yeah, so. amazing, amazing series. And, you know, really, uh, that one went best of five, of course. We'll just uh, take a look across the other games um, that have gone on. As The only series that did go four games, of course, was the Cubs-Cardinals. The curse of the goat continues. Bartman will be out there in all his glory. Um, but they, the Cubs won that one three games to one over the Cardinals, the best team in baseball during the regular season. And, and you've got a bit of a theory on the manager for the Cardinals, Mike Matheny, and where, where he sits in this pantheon of theatre and stuff. Mike Matheny, yeah. I, I just... Uh, questions have got to be asked uh, about Mike Matheny's managing style. Uh, I think, obviously... Uh, he's got a great team. It's a great organisation, and he's a great manager during the regular season. Yeah, when they when there's tomorrow. Yeah, when there's tomorrow. You know, if we lose today, we've still got you know a hundred games to go. Yeah, I think he's great in those scenarios. But I think in a scenario where there is no tomorrow, where you got to win, um, I, I think he struggles. I, I think he really does struggle, and I think. Uh, history is saying that he's struggling with that. We saw Gibbons bring in David Price to pitch in relief, um, and effectively taking him out of the Game 5 if it goes to Game 5. So he obviously would have been the Game 5 starter, but uh, Gibbons from Toronto brings in Price to pitch in relief to make sure that there's a Game 5. Now, I'm not sure if Matheny would have made that same decision. Yeah, that's right. I'm not yeah. sure if he would have. I think he would have been thinking, no, we're going to save Price for Game 5. Yeah. But leave you exposed with no left-hand pitching in Game Four, yeah, with a lot of big left-handed bats in the Texas lineup. So that's that's what I'm alluding to, and I think uh, I think you'll find there could. Be, I'm I'm saying as good as he is, and as much as the players love him, yeah, the Cardinals will be looking at that. As uh, was just mentioned, though, um, Scott mentioned from Toronto is is the focus that now goes on every movement every decision, the camera angles. So the the managers now really get super analysed for every decision that they make, especially this time of year. The division series now going to the league championship series. It's make or break. And as you said, there's at times when there's no tomorrow, get it all done now. But um, yeah, you know, maybe Mike Matheny's getting um, getting more focus on his decision making and maybe he's coming unstuck with some of those decisions. Well, I think that's the case. And, and and we've seen, as we've seen, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done in baseball as a player, when you're a manager, the buck stops with you. And even yeah. uh, even if the playing group gets stale or perceived to be getting stale, uh, and, and if you go through, you know, three or four, maybe even five seasons without the ultimate result yeah. in a World Series, um, they're looking at moving your manager on. So yeah. Be really interesting to see what happens in the in the off season for uh, the Cardinals there. Absolutely. Look, we've got to go to a, a quick break. We're going to come back and go over Mets Dodgers and Astros Royals series. Of course, they both went best of five. We're going to get 
Craig Durham, some will remember. Craig was out here, voice of the Aces, a couple of years ago. Minor league correspondent over there in the US for us. We're going to get Craig on the line and get his take on, on these playoff games to this point. So stick with us. You're on SEN's MLB podcast. Celex Recoding Service specialise in electrostatic painting where our fully trained staff and state-of-the-art equipment enables projects of any size to be coated either on-site or in our well-equipped Bayside facility. Celex Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Celex Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating surface and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Celex Recoating Service also offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting and metal fabrication of refrigerator components and parts. For more information, go to info at selexrecoatingservice.com.au or call 9788 4, and welcome back to SEN's MLB podcast, JC. Of course, just had Scott Nealis on the phone there from up Toronto. Now we're going to cover the rest of the playoff game, Mets, Dodgers and Astros Royals. And this familiar voice, former play-by-play with the Melbourne Aces here in town is Craig Durham. Craig, are you there, mate? I'm here, Craig. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good, thank you. <laughs> How's things? Things are great. Things are really uh, exciting. It's a great time for baseball right now, isn't it? Absolutely. Massive time. Now, these two, um, the four divisional series, of course, uh, three of them went five games. And the Mets and Dodgers was a terrific series, really was. But terrific to see the Mets get up in that five-game series over the Dodgers. How have you seen, uh, in particular, this series? And we'll get to the others later. But how have you seen so uh, the Mets-Dodgers series play out? Yeah, I think that one, uh, it certainly didn't let anybody down. There's two really, really good teams there. I think before the season, everyone knew the Dodgers were going to be good. But since the very beginning of April, the Mets have been one of the best teams in the National League. And I, I wasn't sure if they were going to be able to keep it up into the postseason. But judging by the performance last night in that crucial game on the road, I mean, just getting big hits from Daniel Murphy and, and, and just beating the best pitchers in baseball, uh, it, it's there's wonders as to where that team's going and was a tremendous series. You mentioned uh, Craig, Justin Charles here. How are you going? Good, right? That's the way. Uh, you mentioned some of the best pitchers in baseball, uh, obviously referring to um, Zach Greinke and uh, our, uh, Clayton Kershaw. our man Clayton Kershaw. So they had to overcome those obstacles there. But um, what about the Mets pitching with uh, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Harvey, Stephen Matz and, uh, and Familiar uh, coming in late? Uh, they're no slouches. Yeah, not at all. And uh, the two, two of the names you mentioned, Syndergaard and Matt Harvey, are guys that I've been following for a long time. Back in 2011, I remember Matt Harvey pitching uh, an A-ball for the St. Lucie Mets, and he was just tremendous. I remember thinking, this guy is going to be amazing, and everybody knew it at that point. It was no insight for me, but it's good to see guys who have that promise get to the major leagues and fulfill it. And Syndergaard, a guy they got from the Blue Jays in that massive swap a few years ago, uh, came over with Travis Darno. Those two, as, as a battery, are a pretty great combination, and the Mets are in really good shape, not just for this postseason, but going forward with, with the three young pitchers that you mentioned and just their, their core of young talent up and down the roster. 
On the offensive side of things, first I will say whoever the hairdresser is there with the Mets is doing a beautiful <laughs> job. It's fantastic. The whole playoffs, everybody's there in the playoffs. Yeah, they're going crazy. They'll end up with a man bun sooner or later. They'll get it up a little man bun. Um, but on the offensive side of things for the Mets, the the, the impact that um, Eunice Cespedes has had since he was uh, traded to the team, he's been phenomenal for that lineup. Yeah, he's a difference maker, no question about it. And I can't figure out why he keeps bouncing around the league the way he does. Uh, after you know being a solid player in Detroit for a little while, then goes to Boston, clearly was going to be one of the Red Sox best outfielders, but he was not in their plans and uh, winds up and ending, ending up at the Mets this year. And I, I love that story because he plays baseball the right way. He's not a me-first guy. He plays for the team. He plays with his heart. I, he hits the ball a million miles an hour when it leaves his bat. I mean, he's just a fun player to watch. Craig, I, I see that uh, as an interesting um, situation there with Cespedes because uh, I actually follow the A's quite closely. He got traded from a team that uh, was challenging for, for a World Series. You know, the A's were really flying last year. And yeah. They take him. They trade him to Boston for John Lester and then the A's collapsed, their offense collapsed. And I, I think Cespedes really was upset. And he wasn't happy in Boston. And so an unhappy player, you can't really have him there. And then he gets traded to uh, Detroit where he really loved it there. And then Detroit think that they're not going to challenge. So then they get rid of him again. And then he winds up in New York and he loves it there as well. So I think we'll see him there for a while if they can come to terms in that contract. What, What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think he's got that sort of New York mentality where nothing phases him clearly he's been through a lot he's come from cuba for starters i mean that's not an easy process so anybody who's got the toughness to to start there uh isn't going to be bothered by the new york media i think he likes the bright lights and you know you bring up a great point with oakland last year they made the wrong move and not only did it hurt them last year and look what happened uh here in 2015 when Mm. the a's were were the worst team in the american league and and you pulled testament out of that lineup and that's the most fundamental difference between last year's team and this year. Yep. Another series that also went on, Craig, Astros and Royals, that also went Game 5 with um, Johnny Cueto, really came up big in that Game 5 for the Royals, eight innings, eight strikeouts. How did you see that series pan out? I thought that series went uh, pretty much like like you scripted. If you, if you were writing a movie about those two teams, the Royals were supposed to be there. Nobody saw the Astros coming before the season, but like, kind of like the New York Mets, they were there from day one. Now, they didn't end up winning the division, and I think that hurt them ultimately. Uh, but they, they showed up, and they're going to be a team to watch for a long time. That Game 5 was a lot of fun. That game, Those two back-to-back Game 5s the other day was eight, nine hours, pretty uh, intense baseball action. But Johnny Cueto's performance was huge. I'm a big Colin McHugh fan. He started that game for the Astros. It was a shame he didn't have his very best stuff, but uh, just a great series. I mean, how often do we get four series that are as entertaining as all of these first-round matchups were? I agree with you, Craig. I, I think uh, it was arguably some of the best baseball that I've ever seen uh, un- under the context of, of playoff baseball where there's no tomorrow. Um, just how good has the Astros' turnaround been, and, and what do you think was the the, the key move that, uh, that saw them go from basically last to right up there in, in contesting? I think not panicking uh, and going 
they had a plan three, four years ago, the Astros did. They knew it was going to be a rebuilding process, transitioning from the National League to the American League. A lot of things to think about. And they've drafted well. They've developed a lot of really good young players. They've added uh, good pieces of the puzzle. A guy like Jed Lowry who kicks around. He can play every infield position for you. He comes in and makes a difference. Jake Marisnik, who they took uh, from the Blue Jays when he was a, a younger prospect. Didn't have a huge season, but there was uh, some time in April and May when he was among the league leaders in hitting, so they've found the right pieces of the puzzle. They have enough pitching to get to the playoffs, but I think if you're looking at the Astros going forward, they've got the lineup built. Now they need to address a little bit deeper pitching staff if they want to keep coming back to the playoffs and maybe win some series. They have uh, they have picked uh, the eyes had the A's a little bit, haven't they, with Lowry, Casimir, and, and Carter? <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the A's are popping up all over baseball this postseason, <laughs> just not uh, not wearing that green and yellow. Uh, the other series that also went on, Cubs v. Cardinals. Cardinals, the best team of the regular season. Couldn't quite get it done in the divisional series. But with the Cubs actually winning, are we going to see the curse of the GOAT actually cleaned up this year? What do you think? I don't know. That's a great question. I think that is the question of, of this postseason now going forward, now that the Cubs are in the final four. I think I think um, the, the other question is whether Bartman will turn up. Yeah, well, I don't th- I'm don't. i pretty sure they banned him for life, or if they didn't, they should have. Uh, and if he does show up, he'll probably be wearing a full head, uh, head mask because nobody in Chicago wants to see that. I think everybody in the back of their minds is probably wondering what's going to happen this year. You know, you can be as optimistic as you want and look at what a great team they have. But, of course, for the Cubs fans, there's that factor of, well, expect the unexpected. The rest of the country, it seems like, is all pulling for the Cubs. And I don't know. I'm, I've been told since I grew up a Boston Red Sox fan, rooting for them, that I should be rooting for the Cardinals. But I, I don't feel the connection. I don't see why, because the team's been down, you have to root for them. But... What I guess I'm getting at is they have the support of this country, I think. If you were to poll uh, the cities not affiliated with the four teams left who they're pulling for, people want to see the Cubs do well. And they have uh, they have that roster to do it. The Cardinals, like they do every year, a tremendous regular season, just didn't quite get it done. They ran into to the Cubs. So that series, again, just sensational baseball. And the Cubs are going to be America's sweetheart here for the next couple of weeks. Craig, uh, it was a massive win by the Cubs, you know, to get over the best team in the regular season in the Cardinals. Um, obviously, it would have been emotionally draining for them as a young team. Can they maintain it, or have they fired all their bullets? I think uh, I think their youth is going to work in their advantage here, where where they've got a lot more a lot more bullets left to left to fire because this team is, is built on adrenaline. Young players like Javier Baez and Jake Arrieta, I mean, they just have this confidence, this swagger that doesn't go away just because they had to win a tough series. So I think the Cubs are really hitting their stride and the Mets are going to have their hands full with them uh, starting tomorrow night. And they have one of their best managers in baseball in Joe Madden. Joe Madden, big fan JC and myself, <laughs> big fan of Joe Madden. Yeah, who can't like Joe Madden? I mean, he is he changed baseball in, in the last 10 years, no question about it, with the shift and the attitude he brings to the dugout. Uh, there's, there's a lot to like about the Cubs and Joe Madden, I think, is the top of the, that list for most people. And the last series, of course, but the one that had the most theatre was the Texas Rangers versus the Blue Jays. Were you actually watching that game and, more importantly, that inning, the seventh innings of that particular game? What did you make of it all, Craig? 
I, I didn't know what to make of it. I was, uh, I, I think everybody watching could see the emotion that the players were experiencing on the field on both sides. Both Blue Jays and Rangers uh, were playing at a heightened level uh, of emotions that you just don't really see. I was feeling those on my couch in Colorado. Uh, I, I think I took to Twitter to sort of just send some of the thoughts because there was just so much that we've never seen before. Uh, there's the throw off Chu's hand that makes the run. There's three straight errors. I mean, I know you guys have been over it already, so I won't break it down. But what we saw that day in that game was uh, was baseball at its most exciting form. I don't know if it was at its purest or at its best form, but certainly at its most exciting. And that's just good for baseball. It's good for the playoffs. And it's good for it to have happened in Toronto where you've got a fan base that stay engaged next season uh, with a little bit more action like that. Uh, Craig, we've got to wrap it up here, mate. Thanks very much for your time, but it would be remiss of me if we didn't. The American League Championship Series, Royals versus Blue Jays, who you got? I've got the Blue Jays. I'm uh, on my way to Kansas City right now, I'll be at Game 2 and Game 3, but I think the Blue Jays have too much power and the Royals just uh, don't have that exact same spark they had last year. So Blue Jays and six. National League Championship Series, Cubs versus Mets. The marketing department will be licking their lips over this one. Who you got in that series? Oh, yeah. I think the Cubs. The Cubs are the buzzsaw <laughs> right now. The Mets have had their great season, but like the Blue Jays, they, the Cubs just have a little bit more firepower. They've got the ace of the whole series. Let's, let's say the Cubs are going to win that five. Interesting one. The Cubs, of course, 7-0 and v the Mets during the regular season this year. But, mate, we're going to have to wrap it up there. Thanks very much for your time uh, today, Craig. All the best with your endeavours, mate. Hope to uh, see you on Twitter again soon. But uh, thanks for coming on today. and Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, let's, let's go one better. Instead of seeing each other on Twitter, why don't uh, we hang out in Melbourne sometime soon? <laughs> Absolutely, mate. You catch a flight out here and we'll, uh, we'll sort it out. No problems. Thanks very much, Craig. Uh, <laughs> All right. See you guys soon. Thank you. Bye now. And uh, Craig Durham there, of course, uh, minor league correspondent there. Uh, Travelling the country, trying to get to all these sporting events. He's on his way to a baseball game now. Then he said he was on his way to an NFL game. Then he's got another baseball game to get to after that. Boy, the, uh, Great the, lifestyle. the miles that you travel to, to to cover what you love, which is sport in uh, Craig Durham's case. Uh, he's really covering some miles. But a nice little report there, wrap of, of the divisional series that we've just seen. JC? Yeah, pretty comprehensive, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And the the interesting ones that I do, I just mentioned there that the National League Championship Series Cubs v Mets, which uh, will be getting underway over the next day or two, the the Cubs during the regular season uh, outplayed the Mets seven games. The Mets never won a game in the regular season versus the Cubs. And in the other series, the American League Championship Series, Royals versus Blue Jays, in that ledger, the Royals actually hold the edge four games to three. So one series looks to be nice and balanced and even, Royals-Blue Jays, four to three, but the other one's been a blowout so far this year, NLCS, Cubs v Mets, but every loss brings you closer to a win. That's that, profound. That was in a cookie. That's profound. It was in a con- cookie I saw once. That's that's very deep, Fritta. Uh, yeah. What I will say, uh, and I think Joe Madden in an interview this morning summed it up when when mentioned of that statistic. He said, "Well, right now the the 
both teams are different teams yep. from that stage you know through the through the regular season they're both different teams they're both playing differently the offense is different yep um and you know just for my two cents worth uh, my heart says that I'd love to see the cubbies get through but I I'm looking at the you know the Mets pitching and they're just so dynamic yeah uh, I I think they've got the edge in pitching they've had they've had quite a, an amazing season I mean a lot of it uh, I did see an article written the other day, and, and a lot of people said that it stemmed back to the Wilma Flores incident that we did cover a number of mm. weeks ago. They said there was a, a shift in the in the clubhouse regards the Mets because of that particular incident. I wasn't there, so I, so I can't actually taste Did you follow it? Because I, 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 I was right across it. Yeah. And, and it, it coincided with, uh, with... Cespedes coming into the into the lineup. Yeah. So yeah. so there was a couple of things, but that gelling the thing together. Yep. And I think if you're making mention that, you know, most people think that players are, you know, just robots and and you know they don't have any emotion, they don't care where they play. Yeah. Um. Well, what we saw with Wilma Flores is that he was really emotionally attached to the Mets and and really yeah. galvanised the the supporters, um, and the fan base to him. Yeah. Um, ab- absolutely. I mean. What part of the article I did did read also said that somebody in the dugout had mentioned, "Do you realise you got a girl's name?" And that's why he started crying. He was all very emotional. <laughs> big, his parents were big fan of the Flintstones. <laughs> but that was really interesting because in the, in the day in the era of social uh, social media, yeah, the rumor went around, and everyone in the stadium knew, yeah, or, or had a sense. But Terry Collins, the manager, didn't even know. Yeah, didn't didn't somebody from the crowd sort of either yell out at Flores or something like uh, that? So, I, somehow I went around the stadium. Over, it was all over Twitter. I mean, yeah. it was all but over. But for the information to get Cuban. back to Flores, somehow it's well, the sort players of, have phones. You yeah, know, like the players have phones. You know, so it it could have gotten anywhere. Yeah, it, you know that. But everyone in the crowd sensed that this could be the last at-bat that Flores was going to play. and he, yep. So he's come up through the organisation. He hasn't played anywhere else. You know, his heart and his his, his roots are with the Mets. Yep. And um, it was just all over, you know, there was speculation that, you know, that was, that he was going to get traded. Yep. And, uh, and, and being a contending team, so he's been with the organisation all this time and now they're going to be contending, yep. be in the playoffs and he's going to miss out because he was going to be traded to, I think it was... Uh, I think it was the Brewers. Yep. It might have been Milwaukee who were out of it. Yeah. So it would have been a massive letdown. Yep. Um, so it would have been a combination of not wanting to leave uh, and, and going to a team out of contention. Mm-hmm. We've got to go to a quick break. We get a club he's getting on me here about uh, going to a break. But you've got to give me your tips. American League Championship Series, Royals, Blue Jays. JC? Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Uh, With Donaldson hitting a line drive off Volkes's head. Ooh. Now... <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a stab. Uh, National League Championship Series, Cubs v Mets. My heart says Cubbies, but I think Nets. Right. Okay. So you've got Blue Jays Mets in the World Series. Correct. Personally, my take is Blue Jays Cubs. We'll have to wait and see how it all pans out. But uh, got a big league seven game league championship series to come. But right now we're going to go to a short break. So stick with us. You're on SEN's MLB podcast. Celex Recoding Service specialise in electrostatic painting, where our fully trained staff and state-of-the-art equipment enable projects of any size to be coated either on-site or in our well-equipped Bayside facility. 
Celix Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Celix Recoating Service also offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting and metal fabrication of refrigerator components and parts. For more information, go to info at sellexrecodingservice.com.au or call 9788-4000. And welcome back to SEN's MLB podcast. Big news saw happening this week, I did notice, of course, right on the eve of the 2015-16 ABL season about to get underway, Peter Wormuth and Tom Nicholson have been sacked from their respective positions in the league. What do you make of that, JC? Do you see anything? I'm really surprised. that I don't think there's even been a report uh, put out by the Australian Baseball League, but amazing news popped up over the, overnight during the week. It is. Interesting timing, uh, I would have thought, on the eve of the ABL season getting started. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought that that gets the season off to the most positive of starts. Um, once again, timing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really fascinated in the timing of this. I mean, surely this could have been made, you know, before or, or even after. Is there anything that really is uh, they're going to impact by uh, delaying that decision? Yeah, I'm, I'm or, not... or or or. or bringing that decision forward just so it's not going to be disruptive for the incumbent yeah. people taking their positions. I, I don't see... Because, I mean, do we know who's taken their positions? Um, well, all I know, and this is why I sort of prefaced it by saying that there's not a whole lot of information comes out. So when you... What I tend to do is if not much comes out, I'll make it up. So I see that... <laughs> well, you've got to. I mean, what other that's option what I mean. do you have? We're in a business. If we don't comment, we get this. Dead air, you know, you've got to actually Crickets. comment about something. I see I see Peter Wormuth was the CEO of the Australian Baseball League. So so currently we're going into a season without a CEO. Well, hang on, I'm just gonna explain from what I've I'm just been, I'm just asking. Yeah, I I've I've got an answer for you. I'm I'm led to believe Peter Wormuth has been uh, moved from the CEO position of the Australian Baseball League. Tom Nicholson was uh, ran the offices of Major League Baseball International out of Sydney. Both of those guys are gone. And the name that has popped up is a guy named Jim Small. Now, anybody that may go out and Google Jim Small, there are a couple of Jim Smalls. So just make sure you're grabbing the right one. It's not the ex-major leaguer who's about 80. It's another guy, Jim Small, I believe is over in New Zealand right now, getting their league up and at it with the idea of adding a New Zealand team into the Australian Baseball League. Now, that'd, that, that'd be great. Interesting concept. First, you've got to have a league to be able to put a New Zealand team into. So, but, um, you know, so the name Jim Small is one that I have heard bandied around to come in. Now, this is the way I look at it. I'm not sure whether these two moves of Wormuth and Nicholson gone and Jim Small coming in is to fix the league or wrap up the league. This is two interesting ways of looking at it. Um, what Again, what we, what we don't know is a lot of information about what has gone on. The facts are that Peter Wormuth gone, Tom Nicholson gone, and I believe Jim Small will be a guy coming in to oversee the league for this particular season. Mm. 
Yeah, well, we'll just have to wait on that one, won't we? It's a bit of a wait and see, but also just on ABL, of course, uh, the the idea of pre-season training, there it only be six days, but pre-season training uh, got underway last night, and uh, I was busy last night, had some social engagements I had to deal with. JC, I know you were a busy young fella, but clubby. I was actually umpiring junior baseball. Oh, okay, so you were busy. You were busy anyway. Legitimately, yes. Nice. Uh, but Clubby happened to go out there. So just as a little uh, report about what he saw out at Aces Games last night, Clubby, what actually went on there last night? The Aces had a pretty comfortable win last night. I think final score 8-1. Good opportunity for the majority of the roster to get out, stretch the legs, have a couple of swings. Uh, some good performances from some of the more experienced guys in the squad. Also a good opportunity for the new managerial setup to have a look at guys they wouldn't have seen play before. Um, so, one yeah. of us... No, go. Oh, I was just, so, I mean, from what you saw, do you impressed by you've also been a fan for the past five seasons of the Australian Baseball League? Do you see there's a, a, a steps forward from the Aces side of things? From what I see, the Aces are in a position where, like most clubs at this time of year, they're working out a few kinks. A couple of errors that if this is middle of December, start of January, they're not going to be there. I think that once they play together, I know a lot of the guys only met each other last night for the first time. Once they get that experience and get to know each other, they're going to start to build as a team. So I think, yeah, positive steps. So you said the majority of the roster. Yep. Uh, we've yet to see a roster. Um who were some of the standouts from last night? I think Harmon played well. Uh, John Kennedy threw reasonably at times. Ryan Dale played well. Look, they're just a few. And I say the bulk of the roster. I uh, waited around after the game to have a, a chat with New Aces manager, Joe Vavra. And there was a fairly long wait because they were having a coaches meeting to decide those final roster spots from my understanding. With opening night being next Friday, they needed to have the roster finalised by last night. They weren't just meeting each other for the first. They weren't actually. You think they were putting a roster together, or just saying "g'day"? Who are you? Who are you? I think they were genuinely put, putting a roster together. I saw a whiteboard with lots of names on it. Yep. Um, some of the names. Uh, some of the names: Peter Moylan, Travis Blackley, Shane Lindsay, for example. James Beresford was on there. I know Daryl George got a mention. In a perfect world, you'd love to think that those guys would turn up and play. But I'm just going to toss some names at you. Word association we got going right here. Go, Trey Vavra. Uh, fascinating. Tanner Vavra. Uh, fast. Mike Hill. Strong arm. Logan Moon. Want to see more of him. That's not one word. No, it's Keith, not. Keith, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, Curico. Consistent. And the last one was Matt Larkins. I'm not sure whether he would have pitched the indie ball pitcher that's out here for the Aces this year. I can't recall if he got a mention last night. I spent some time in the press box, then went down to third baseline where the uh, PA system isn't quite as strong. So a lot of stuff just going off site. Uh, funnily enough, standing on third base, got to have a few chats with uh, Russell Spear, who was coaching third base for the All-Stars last night. Okay, yeah, dabbling with the uh, coaching side of things. It was handled by Peter Giles with Richard King, I believe, and uh, Russell Spear, real Essendon influence there with the All-Star team. As you would think, they've won uh, the last 400 championships. Yeah, well, there can be an argument made for him to manage the Aces, but uh, that's not to happen this particular season. But 
all in all, um, final words just on where you think the Aces, and we're really just at an educated guess right now because you just don't know where all the other teams are at either. I do know the, a lot of the other teams have been training for a couple of weeks now in preparation for this season to get underway, but just a couple of words on where you think the Aces will be this season. I think they'll be better than they have been the last few seasons. They've had a few struggles. I think they're finally going to break the hoodoo of not winning an away series in the history of the league, which is a a record that wasn't so bad in the first season or the second season. But now that we're stretching into year five, year six, it's it's quite concerning. Um, I think that uh, the influence of Joe Vavra, who is a everyday guy at the Minnesota Twins, is going to be a huge help. Obviously, he's a fantastic communicator to be working at that major league level on a daily basis. And what I'm going to throw to you guys is, does the ABL need to format a legitimate spring training? base it at the academy, wherever. Do they need to do something like that to ensure that everyone gets a proper spring? The, the, the ABL? Yes. I don't think it's incumbent on the ABL. I think it's incumbent on the actual team. Uh, you know, Each I, individual you know, club? Yeah, I mean, in, in, in well, let's use an AFL football analogy, analogy yeah. if, if you like. Um, no one's telling... <laughs> the AFL isn't telling you know, Richmond when they're going to... Uh, I guess the AFL will set, or, or the Players Association with the AFL will tell you when you can start. Yeah. You, you know, but if if that if those limitations weren't there, you know, two weeks after the season finished, you'd be back in the pre-season. Yeah, so, cl- clubs would do that, yeah. That's correct. And and if you were serious, yeah, and, and clubs that are serious, they would get their pre-season started uh, promptly. The one thing they'd I'll, have at least well they'd have at least six weeks. You would have thought the one thing I'll say regarding that, and the analogy can be a little askew in, in saying that all the players live here. In in the baseball side of things, all of the players who they want to come and play for their team, the the imports I'm talking about, don't even live in the country. For example, with Canberra, I do I did see a list, and they've got in the vicinity of eighteen to twenty imports. Now it'd be virtually impossible for them because these guys are involved with affiliate baseball in the United States. They've got to finish off their seasons. Which team was that? Canberra Cavalry. Right. Um, They need to finish off their affiliate baseball seasons and if they happen to go to playoffs and that sort of thing, can really drag pretty much right to the, the cusp of the start of the ABL season. So as... Clubby mentioned there a moment ago, a lot of these guys have only just met for the first time and we're under a, this pretty much exactly a week away from opening day. Uh, it's not unusual for baseball circles, something that we probably, as fans here in Australia, probably need to get used to, is that these imports will turn up just at the last minute, get thrown together, there's your uniform, there's your bat, let's go get them. I think it's just a common symptom of of professional baseball that guys blow in, play the season and blow out really quickly. And I think we're going to see that year after year after year. I agree. Certainly, minor league baseball doesn't run as long as... uh True. ...as major league baseball. We don't have any major leaguers. So I think September, we we get started at, you know, towards the end of October. Yeah. And I think, you know, four six four to six weeks is not unreasonable to think that you'd have the bulk of your list 
in Australia? Uh, yes. The yes. bulk of your list. Yes. And, and including your Australian-based players. Yes. And your development players, you know, the, the, the kids that you're looking at as well. Um, well, yes, we're talking more players, but when you need the manager to come here to actually see your Australian-based players to see, can they swing a bat? I mean, you can say all you like, Brad Harmon was a big leaguer with the Phillies. So Vavra, in his mind, will sort of have an understanding of what Harmon's like. But is Harmon in good shape? Is his bat good? Does his arm work? These sorts of questions he has to decide for himself by looking at Harmon. And and that, <laughs> do you have an international coach or do you have a... Australian-based coach, I, and I think in in this scenario, in, in our scenario, I think we've got enough good guys yeah. in Australia. Um, you know, unfortunately, probably the best coach that comes to my mind, uh, who, who could probably bring Thanks, the Charlie. aces, thank you, aces thank you. together. Not you, Fred. Oh, uh, John Diebel would have been my first pick. Yeah, um, who was on the short list, the short list of one. We understand that. Yeah, and and just didn't pan out. Uh, they couldn't come to an agreement. But he he was. They did have all their eggs in a basket with Diebel, and then but didn't pan out. Yep, and and then we've got um, Peter Giles that you mentioned. He would have been a, a great uh, a great solution there. I think Nathan Holmes. Yep. From Geelong, the Bay Cats, yep. uh, he'd be, you know, to be considered. I think he's really well, uh, well planned. You know, like he he's very logical thinker. He's a great baseball person. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's a number of guys that that you could look at. Yeah. Um, and I think an Australian-based coach, given this scenario, like I mean, it's too crucial. And particularly, I mean, Clubby mentioned that we, the Aces, and I say we, we haven't won an away away series since the. You know, since this format of the of the league has been in it, and or played five hundred ball, haven't played five hundred ball yet. Right, so you know, we've got to look at some doing some things differently. You would have thought. Yeah, you would think so, but uh, that season gets underway uh, next Friday. Go to melbourneaces.com. You can get your tickets there for any sort of game that you want. Uh, Fifty six game series this year. 50, 56 game season. Sorry, twenty eight home, twenty eight away. Uh, so, yeah, just go to melbourneaces.com. You can get all your tickets to games there. I believe they've got nice barbecue and all that 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 stain around Clubby's mouth is the gravy from <laughs> oh the brisket goodness. from the brisket that he's been vacuuming up. He, uh, he said the barbecue out there was absolutely spectacular. So get out to the Aces and, and check out their games. Um, just on a couple of other side notes that we do have, Ben Leslie's been an up-and-coming young player with the San Francisco Giants. I'm doing my little quote, air quote thing here up on uh, ABL site was that he is retired from baseball, 20 years of age, I believe. Um, my goodness. Signed a couple of years ago with the San Francisco Giants out of, out of baseball. So the Aces will be looking for another young outfielder to come along. What's, what's yes. led to that decision? Uh, that's what all it had was uh, in in the quotes thing was retired. Uh, ben Leslie has retired from from baseball. So what that actually means, uh, whether you know he's just taking a break, whether he's been released by the Giants, these sorts of things don't know right now. Uh, but you know sooner or later the uh, information train will come our way and we'll find out what exactly has gone on there. Ben Leslie out of baseball at the moment from the San Francisco Giants. And uh, there's a really good story up on the Australian players alumni. We've talked uh, over the few weeks about the alumni. Well, 
written and handled out there by the great Kingsley Collins up in uh, Ballarat Way. Um, he did a really, really terrific story. We, we touched on it briefly uh, a couple of weeks ago, the signing of young Alex Wells, signed with the Baltimore Orioles couple of weeks ago out of that under-18 World Cup, under-19 World Cup that was played uh, about a month ago now. Uh, but a really terrific story up there by Kingsley Collins, the two twins who uh, both signed contracts. Lachlan Wells uh, was signed with the twins a couple of years ago. He was the ace of that under-19 team um, with the Minnesota Twins and now young Alex signing with the Baltimore Orioles. So a terrific story up there about these two twin brothers out of uh, Newcastle way up there in New, New, South, Wales. New South Wales. Yeah, terrific story written up there on the Australian Players Alumni. So check that out because it really is a, a terrific article written there by Kingsley. So Brett Ward swooped on him. Yes, uh, Brett Ward, the Baltimore Orioles, saw what he liked. Uh, they, they tend to have followed him for anywhere from you know six months, 12 months, 18 months out. Uh, with his brother happening, happening, happening to have signed a pro contract, they would have known that the other Wells boy would have been a talent. Uh, so it's really just keeping an eye. And once they uh, realised he was the man they wanted, they went for him and uh, got a nice little little uh, 300k bonus to the uh, to Baltimore. But a nice job by the family, two twins. Go to the Australian baseball alumni and check out the story written up there by Kingsley Collins. Um, that's about all we've got. For today's show, JC, very nice work, mate. Thank you very much. Just to recap where we're at, you've got Blue Jays Mets. I've got Blue Jays Cubs. The American League Championship Series coming up this week. National League Championship Series coming up this week. Stay tuned. Yes, mate. I just want to say I'm the worst tipster of all times. Yeah, (laughs) right. I've just put the kiss of death on both those teams. Just to add a balance to the whole thing, Clubby's going to come in with his little tip on what's going on. The Cubs and the Royals. Oh, he's gone on a limb. Look at him just be you just here to cause trouble. Clubby, you're an absolute beaut. Uh, but thanks very much for joining us today on this has been SEN's MLB podcast. Thanks for listening to the SEN MLB podcast. For more SEN America podcasts, head to SEN.com.au. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.